0: Thank you, Mark. Thank you, everyone. Jennifer, first I, I wanna say thank you for sharing your uh, astute and uh, just your clear understanding of the source of that story. And I admit when I read it, I thought, Oh, we're taking liberties here with stories not our own. Um, I felt as a European American myself that they're we could probably do a little better. And yet I've based a whole first part of the sermon on that story and we will carry on. (laughs) So when I first read the story Jennifer shared with us, I totally related with the chief's decision to name his youngest visionary son as successor. The chief's older two sons were solid young men with practical, practical approaches to meeting the needs of their people. But I easily glossed over that romantically dreaming of this young son's idyllic future for the tribe. It made me smile, just thinking of everyone enjoying a bountiful land of peace with gorgeous flowing waters, abundance of food, comfortable shelter. I could picture everyone singing and happy and smiling all the time every day because life would be so perfect there then after a while i imagined what it must be like to be that kid's brother being the feet firmly on the ground brother of the visionary the visionary how would those conversations go, I wondered. New chief with a dream says, let us leave this place. Let us gather ourselves in the morning, every person together, and that we will travel to the far-off promised land of great beauty and abundance. Brother overlooked for being rooted in reality says, oh, really? Really? Oh, really? And how mighty leader do you propose we do this? How shall we gather every person in a day's notice no less and go traipsing over the mountain to this land, which you know certainly looked nice, but you yourself have never actually been there, have you? Hmm. How many days travel will it take? What will we do for food and water? How are we going to bring all our belongings? What if someone gets sick in route? What path exactly do you propose we take? Okay, mighty chief, let's follow you. Why not keep going as we are, where we are, where we know best how to get along with minimal hardship, and less uncertainty? Why have a vision? Why be inspired by people who claim to have a vision or who have a vision? For humans, it could be evolution at work again, tied into the role of hope in motivating us to get up each morning. Simple. If no situation is ideal, And in the absence of a vision for a brighter tomorrow, what would happen, I fear, is that people would lose their reason for being. Dreams or visions of a better tomorrow do have power in our lives. We can feel motivated somehow to keep going and keep trying. So the fellowship has a vision, and here it is. The fellowship here has a vision. Do y'all know it by heart? I don't either. I had to look it up. We strive to be Southeast Idaho's welcoming, open-minded, religious voice for all who value spiritual inquiry and work for social justice. So putting it in context to the story we heard, why here did anyone decades ago have this vision? the answer lies in what the reality must have been. We would refer to a group of people who did find each other and who found in each other kindred spirits who valued spiritual inquiry. Stopping on that phrase, valuing spiritual inquiry, we safely can assume the visionary founders were experiencing Southeast Idaho as something less than that who were experiencing a normative culture that perhaps had a lack of valuing spiritual inquiry. The founders intuited that surely they could not be alone. They weren't this little anomaly, this little band of free-thinking folk, and that even in a part of the country where dogma and doctrine may be the standard fare, surely others were yearning for such a place such as a fellowship where inquiry was welcome and even encouraged far more than pat answers to question surely is an answer to be siblings of kindred spirit to the founder's vision would be the people who agree who have buy-in saying well i don't have the vision you have but i do Trust you, and I think you may be on to something. And here's how we might go about it. A hint we have here at the purpose of mission, which we'll explore in a moment. Let us pause there and have the next reading. Chris? Our second reading is the true thing. I seek courage to see and to do the true thing. Thank you. So Howard Thurman's meditation introduces his fervent personal hope for clear and true vision, and more than this, it expresses his hope for heightened courage to act one thing to have a vision, it's another perhaps to act on vision. So this courage requires baby steps, doesn't it? Tying it to our first story, we have the young newly appointed chief whose vision is being, not getting to, being in the land of beauty and bringing in the brothers The siblings, we can then imagine possibly a plan of action for the journey to that better place. And the journey would be outlined as a mission. How do we realize vision? So I think Thurman is overlooking a few details, but probably because he simply was speaking for himself, not a vision requiring collaboration between many people. He simply didn't need to consider consensus. For this fellowship to realize a vision, the people must generally, generally agree that having a space that honors inquiry is a worthy vision. And we generally must agree that it's possible. It's an attainable vision. Then and only then, Can the courage be tapped to lay out a plan? And voila, we have a mission statement. So here's an honesty check with you all now. When I first thought about this topic, a vision and mission, I didn't ask myself why. Why do vision and mission statements exist? (sighs) Left to my own devices, my answer was pretty basic, just to shrug and say, well, If we don't have one, how do we know if we're living into our vision? So it's kind of a circular logic. You have to have it so you know you're doing the thing and you don't know you're doing the thing unless you have the thing. But that brings us to an interesting question. Do we all know our mission statement? And do we know if we went back before the 70s that there weren't any and somehow people managed just fine (laughs) without vision and mission statements? And if we know we have it, do we need to memorize it? So after reading about the history of vision and mission statements, I can tell you my answer simply is, no, we don't need to know it. I'm your minister, yes, and I had to look it up. It's long. I'm going to read it to you because I looked it up. So here we go. Affirm and promote the principles of Unitarian Universalist Association Within the Pocatello community, nurture our own and others' spiritual growth, giving each other comfort and sharing laughter along the way. That's nice. Yeah. Celebrate life through creative expression. Honor life's experience as a source of religious values. Learn about the roots and meanings of our liberal religious values. And this next sentence. Has so much humility and sweetness in it. I wanna see if you can hear it the way I do. It's a doozy. Transform values into the will to act for peace, the environment, and social justice, individually and together. There's that desire knowing that we want to do something, we're not sure how, so we're going to transform our values into will, and then into action. That's a lot of steps to get there. Worth talking about, perhaps all on its own. Another one, foster our involvement in the larger Unitarian Universalist community, the end. The mission statement matters. It points away a journey that can carry us toward vision. But some fun articles, they made me laugh, a bit irreverent, I found talking about how we don't really need to do all these things, or we don't need to know all these things about why we exist and how we're gonna get there. And one article from Morning Inc, that's INC, the contributing editor, Jeffrey James says, mission statements are so 1980s. (laughs) So I'm an 80s child and I don't get it. is that a bad thing? In fact, in my quiet salute to the decade, I'm wearing shoulder pads, and I tried to tease my hair taller than usual. (laughs) It did not work. (laughs) But the next thing James notes that makes sense to me is that talking is one thing. Crafting the sentence is one thing. Doing, doing the stuff is entirely another thing. And Thurman, Howard Thurman spoke in the second reading of the doing and of the courage it takes to do the thing that we understand is worthy and even necessary. So instead of memorizing the statement for the fellowship, maybe our takeaway is something else today. Vision requires some measure of consensus, doesn't it? That having a place where people are not tolerated for asking questions, but are encouraged, encouraged to ask questions and to seek social justice and to strive to make the world and our neck of the woods better for everyone Mission, then points the path that serves as a barometer, right? Measuring our journey toward that vision or at least measuring if the journey on which we find ourselves aligns with that vision. If talk is one thing and doing is another, then maybe for vision or for mission, all we have to do is look up and look around. What is this fellowship doing? And are those actions supporting vision? So I'm resisting an urge right now, mostly, not completely well, to not answer my own questions. But I am going to suggest a soft yes. Much of what is happening here is part of a solid journey toward the vision your forebears had not so long ago, and some of whom are in this room. We do not all need to be the youngest son, the keeper of the dream. We do not all need even to be the older brothers tending to the practical matters of mission. But we can all do something. We can all look at why we need a thriving community such as this, a spiritual inquiry in southeast Idaho. And we can ask ourselves, what is it I bring to this journey? From showing up, important, asking questions, bringing snacks to share, a personal favorite, reading a story, or inviting friends to come, such as uh, to Festival of Lights next month, third Sunday. See what I did there? Every bit matters. You and you and you and you and your presence matters. So I'll end here reiterating the words from Howard Thurman. The truer the deed, the more the responsibility involves all of one's life, whole being, our noble dream, Of gentle, free inquiry of justice for every person is calling us not to sit and write and talk, but to action. Blessed are the visionaries, for they show us there is a better way. Blessed are the crafters of that way forward, the writers of the mission statements. But blessed most of all are the people who trust and risk and show up That's proving the vision worthy. Amen. And blessed be.